Welcome to Vaguely Music. I am Kelsey Jacobson. And I'm Kelsey Jacobson. Lies. Wow, start off strong. Did you know I had I, I can't stand the Red Hot Chili Peppers, by the way? Oh, what other bands can't you stand from the 90s? Oh, Dave Matthews Band. Oh, wow. Good. Yeah. Now that we cleared that up, yep. we are to <laughs> Okay, today we are going to be talking about teaching, actually. Private teaching, specifically. Although, some of this will carry over to small groups, probably more than larger groups. Um, but we're going to kind of break down maybe our experiences working with different types of students um, and sort of how we've learned to navigate the the private lesson situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I we've talked about this a little bit, um, just teaching generally, but in our previous episodes, we've focused a lot on sort of the being the performing artist and the uh, how to handle that promotion of yourself as a performing artist, your your identity and things and and the business end of gigging. So um, I thought this would be nice because a lot of us performers do end up teaching as a side piece as well. Yeah, I think there's only so much you can do as a performer um, in an area during the day. You know, there's a, so this a lot of performers end up teaching because you have so much time. Yeah, the hours you have are very, so much time. Yeah, and it's like the hours that you would be teaching don't directly interfere with a lot of gigs yeah so if you work if you're gigging from nine to twelve if you teach from three to six like it's not going to stop you yeah so so what's your favorite kind of student to teach i gravitate towards um teenagers uh around teenagers that start to have like around 14 to 15 that start to click and want to like make that leap from okay i can play a song um, but for some reason when I play it, it doesn't sound like the song or like I can solo, but when I solo and I listen back, I don't sound like my heroes. I sound like I'm playing up and down a scale. Why am I sounding like I play up and down a scale? Yeah. Uh, those are the ones I gravitate towards because for me, that was my favorite period of guitar was the transition around 15 where I started playing like crazy and I know we've talked about a little bit about when we picked up our instruments and all of that yep. on a couple of these. Um, 15 was when I started practicing for about like seven hours a day, had the guitar in my hands for everything, started writing down scale degrees. Like that was a very great period for me. And I like to watch that transition in young musicians. So for me, that age period of teenagers who want to like take that step to like, hey, how do I make it to the professional? Like teach me how to learn at a high level, how to process information at a high level. Um, that's what I tend to gravitate towards. That might not be specifically personality, what you mean, but those. No, no, no. I think I think everybody, I think most people have a uh, an idea of what kind of student they like to work with, and and how they qualify that is a little different. I think it's good to know that too, like and know what you what you jive with the best as a student, because that will inform the students that you don't jive well with initially because it's going to happen you're going to have somebody right. who is like wow i don't know what to do with this person or like um sometimes you'll even have a student you're like wow i don't even know if i like this person but then you have a good example of looking at why like what do i like so much about these other ones and what is similar or different between these two groups like these ones that i love and totally like 
teaching is a breeze and these ones that it's like this is a struggle why is this a struggle right um and it, that can actually inform you because that sits on us as teachers right yes yeah, so more somebody, than students somebody's paying us to 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 teach them music right so like it doesn't really matter to me um whether i like a student or not it's my job to like if i like it if i like my students on a personal level that's a lot better it's cool but it's not essential you are paying me it is my job like you are paying me for a service like you don't have to like your server when you go out to eat you're paying for a service yeah and and so one of the reasons i really like that period too is the ability to build uh it's one of the rare like occurring things that i've noticed consistently where when when kids are significantly younger you kind of hop to lesson to lesson to be able to do something that lasts two and a half months is yeah. a little tough and then when you teach adults it all depends on what the adult is looking to come here for yep so each one is different with teenagers the majority of the ones i i have are willing to spend five weeks on concepts even if it's a different lesson it's a concept yeah and those are the ones that tend to gravitate towards taking lessons with those are the ones that usually like recommend like hey i'd like to take lessons with him yeah um that's what naturally happens yeah and i feel like that's true for every teacher right mm -hmm. you you kind of a word of mouth is a huge part of what helps build your studio people yep. who have great experiences with you and and really relate to the way that you teach so then you end up building a studio based off of those recommendations and um, just general word of mouth about what you've done with other people. So those ones I didn't have as much trouble with because that was naturally, I remembered that period of my life vividly and I have a lot of energy for it. Okay, the so ones, I was going to yeah, say, what's pivot. the I don't want Yeah, because it's definitely not a matter of whether I like, a lot of these students I like, it was just such a learning curve for me. Yep. I didn't pick up guitar seriously, like could actually coherently play chords and everything until about 13. Like, I could strum stuff, I could play, but like acknowledging I was in time and in tune yeah. was didn't happen until later. I was in bands before that happened and they were all trash. A lot of kids that I've taught have been like eight. And so fundamentally it was tough for me at first because one, I like when you're out of college, like, you know, and you're the youngest in the family, you don't see a lot of kids. Like you don't interact with a lot of kids on a working level. Yeah. And I didn't learn guitar at that period. So it's not even like I can like call on my own experiences and yeah. be like, ah, well, you know, I remember when I was like seven and I learned my chord and this game really worked for me Yeah. or this example worked. All my big examples are like, well, when I was 17 and I was going through Phrygian dominant, what worked for me for getting for really like right. all of that doesn't apply when you're, when you, when you have to teach a kid a G chord. Right, and like specify. So, what age range are you talking about with kid? So, anything, and I don't take students um, really younger than five mm -hmm. for ukulele. Uh, for guitar, I really don't take students younger than seven. Yep. And so, seven. Let's call it like let's say seven to eleven. Okay. Right at twelve, something happens puberty-wise, hormones-wise, where people can start to comprehend more. Just, yeah, brain they, development. Yep. Seven, eight, nine, ten are lessons I tend to really enjoy because you can see growth fast. Yeah. But it's also really tough to pace that because, like, yeah, it's it, – those well, are tough. That, that body-brain coordination is still just developing in life. Mm -hmm. And so then to add the sort of 
fine motor skill of playing and and all the mental multitasking that goes on with with listening and sometimes reading and playing and then juggling concepts in your mind at a young age can be a, a lot yeah and let me say this too right off the bat because i feel like this is the stereotype with teaching with young kids i have a good chunk of young kids who focus just as well as any of my other students it is not exclusive to that age of like like bouncing around off the walls all the time like i have i have an awesome student who is nine now who i've been teaching for about a year and a half and loves guitar and focuses really hard and the lessons are, are very coherent i don't feel like this is an exclusive thing of like well kids are going to bounce off the walls and they're distracted and everything is like no sometimes you have to pace the lesson but that's different for me than feeling like like my student can't handle just like pacing themselves and being respectful and all yeah. of that like that's not that's a stereotype that i don't feel is necessarily true okay. although i i have had students that are very bounce off the wally do you want to hear my least favorite student? Go for it. Okay, so I've been teaching for a long time now. It feels like way too long. Too many too many years to be able to fit the time I've been alive, which is only, I'm only 10 inside, so I can't have taught for more than 10 years. But, um, so I, I, I used to yeah. think it was, I, so I used to think it was age. There was like an age range. And then I thought there was a personality type. And then I went through a, a slew of, of like, things that I was like oh I think it's this kind of student I don't like I think it's this kind of student I don't like and when I say I don't like I mean it's very hard to teach them and sometimes that's a little tougher with when you're teaching singers because everything is so already dialogue based yeah that we get a lot more personal information in a voice lesson than in a lot of other um, music lessons it just kind of inherently presents itself that way so what I think I've realized I find the hardest to teach is I start every first lesson with a conversation that is we're going to sit down and, you know, tell me about who you are. Tell me how old you are. Tell me, you know, what's your experience in music? And then the question is, what are you looking to do? And when they can't, when they have no answer, those are the ones I find the hardest to work with because even my five-year-olds can be like, I want to sing. And it's like, oh, you want something. That might be all you can articulate, but you did not hesitate to be like, I just want to sing and like said with enthusiasm. Or, you know, you have people who come in who are like, I just want to be able to sing in church and feel like my voice is actually reflecting how I feel about being in church. It's like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know what I mean? That's a very specific thing. And, and however big or small that sits on the scale of importance to somebody else is irrelevant, but like they know what they want to do. And then there are some people that come in and I'm like, Hey, what do you want to do? Like, what, like, what's your goal? What do you want to, what are you trying to do with your voice? And they're like, Oh uh, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I don't know. And that is just a terrible sign to me. It's just a terrible sign. Because it's very hard to build any kind of forward motion when they don't have any motivation. Yeah. There's nothing that, there's nothing, even I have to get really good at this song that I'm supposed to sing in six weeks is 
a, like a tangible goal. So for me, that's that's well, that's, that's the one. That's easy too because you have no idea, right? Like six weeks of singing, you could be like, oh, you know what I want to do now? Exactly. Blah, blah, blah. Like yeah, when the ball is rolling, when you have momentum, you tend to find that. A lot and of a changing, will, yeah, yeah, a changing goal is okay. Yes, but it's the ever floating, no direction mm-hmm. and no motivation. That's very hard because then when, um, which I'm sure you have experienced this with students, when you hit a patch of something that they don't understand, but is kind of crucial that they like. It's it's like oh, we have to get you through this weird spot. You don't know how to navigate around it from a perspective because they're not there's no around the problem because you don't know where the goal is on the other side yeah (laughs) so you don't know how to you don't know how to frame it in a way that that gives it context or need or understanding um and for singers we can't a lot of the the physical correction that goes on is very like internal body awareness and I just think sometimes having that that external, oh, I understand how I would apply this sensation and feeling um, makes a big difference. So if you don't have that, ooh. Yeah. It, so I, I will say, too, one student group that was tougher, a lot of these are easier two years into teaching. A lot of these are easier. Anything's easier two years into anything. Yep. Um, what was really tough, too, was the counter to the inverse of the young kid was the adult, the significantly older adult. I felt weird, right? I don't think people who I've Because taken, you were young? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't think the people who were taking lessons from me belittled it, like the idea of like, oh, you, I think they were just like, I'm here to learn guitar. This person knows guitar. Yeah. It was very binary. I find that with adults, like the best thing with kids, you can use like, oh, I'm going to treat you like an adult. You can use some level of fear. Like if you don't do this, X happens. With adults, I found that, like, the best way to do it was a clear-cut plan of, like, hey, we are doing this because X, Y, and Z. They go, oh, okay, this is why I'll do this. Yep. Um, Teaching adults was really hard at first, people who were, like, double my age, because I felt like I'm, like, I feel weird doing this. I feel weird, like, being so young. Right. Um, Which I think, you know, that's that's a confidence in your teaching, like, when you feel confident in your teaching ability, then you realize that the age parameter yeah, thing and, falls away. And right, and you have to remember too, I had a great teacher talk about it, be like, Ryan, like, break it down. Like, why are people there? Well, they're looking to learn guitar and music. Cool, then teach them guitar and music. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like whatever you feel or anything like that, like all of that is extra, right? All of like, I have some awesome relationship with some students and that's wicked cool. But people come because they're like, Ryan, I need to tangibly learn guitar or, and music in general. Yeah. And so if you, I need you to take me from point A to point B. And if I have a relationship with them outside or inside the lessons or anything, awesome. It makes it easier for me as a very emotional uh, person to connect with somebody when I get along with them, but it's not essential. You are there to learn guitar. And that was like a, such a like, it's a weight off your shoulders too. Like when you don't have to worry, like as a teacher, it's very mental. A lot of what you do is mental. You're analyzing what people are doing and critically thinking like, how can I make sure to get them to the next step? Yep. And so sometimes, you know, especially in the beginning of teaching, you can get in your own head about this kind of stuff. And so if you just break it down, you're like, oh, 
it doesn't matter like how much people like me or if I do that, it's they're there. They need to hear this because they're paying me money and they're paying me for my service to teach them guitar. Well, and if you are confident in your knowledge of that instrument, then, then it, that becomes the, they're pay, they are looking for this. They're paying me for this and this I can provide confidently. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And let me say this too. Um, I don't want to, like, I don't want to frame this in, in, in the wrong way. So it's very specific what I want to say. A lot of people can teach without the necessary, like without being necessarily diving deep, crazy into your instrument. Meaning that like I could have taught, I didn't teach guitar because I didn't think I was ready to teach guitar because I didn't know everything about the guitar. And then I started teaching here and I learned that like so much of teaching is me being able to critically think and communicate and so much less than whether my hands can do 16th note triplets at 150. Well, and also sometimes I, I think that the things you learn and you're like, oh my God, this was invaluable knowledge. Everybody's going to want this and need this. And this is going to be it. This is going to be what like blows people mind. They, they, it's not what they're looking for at all. They're looking for something different. And so some that, yeah, it's that sensation of getting to know what each of your students needs on an individual level and then being a well-versed enough musician to know that there's a lot of um there are you're gonna have to problem solve from a lot of different perspectives and different means of playing and i would say that you have to know where you can't go so every teacher has to know what they don't do well and it's not even like a oh i, I I sing rock and roll, but I can't sing R&B. I'm not talking about that. I'm actually just talking from a teaching perspective, which is like most of us vocalists, and I would say instrumentalists, right? We can cross genres. We might not be a specialist within a genre, mm -hmm. but we can take people in that direction to a certain extent. But knowing how you're comfortable explaining, presenting, and, and teaching information in the ways that you are good at doing that. And then knowing when you have to look at a situation and go, this isn't me. I can't teach this in this way. I don't know how. Yeah. Not that I don't know the information, but I don't know how to give you this information in a way that you're gonna take in. Yes, and so that is, that's one of the toughest things too at the beginning of teaching. Because you, you don't want know to, that. Yeah, and you wanna take on everything yeah. too. Like my personality is like, I like the challenge. And it's like, yes, there you at some point you do need to push yourself and do things and, and go outside your comfort zone, but you also need to realize when your you spending time being outside of your comfort zone is not worth what people are coming to your services for. Right. And so there you needs have to, to be, choose the time and place in a right. way that's that's more giving you an opportunity to explore that aspect of your teaching, not capitalizing on the finances that someone's giving you. Right, and I do want to say this as well. I want to say a lot of things. That's why there's a microphone in front of me. <laughs> uh, you like teaching can be a major source of income. It can be your main source of income. It can be a side. It can be your side hustle, as the kids call it nowadays. There's air quotes on that. Um, but it <laughs> it can't be something you count all your dollars for all the time on a multitude of reasons. One like explain that. Okay, 
one, there's massive ebbs and flows in teaching because the nature of a lot of students yep. is going to be that they're taking lessons in school while yep. they're in school. So knowing, I shouldn't say that you can't count on it. You can, but you have to know, like, first off, the summer is when a lot of musicians end up gigging more because you have more gigging opportunities and you teach less because the, the two kind of balance themselves out, you yep. know? Gigs open up on Wednesday nights in places that wouldn't normally have Wednesday night duos. Yep. And, but then your student might be going on two weeks vacation or taking a break until band comes back, you know? Uh, and then also the nature. So, so yeah. to summarize that, yeah. there's financial fluctuation in teaching. Yeah, and so that's well, that's the first one yep. in seasons. There's also financial fluctuation is like, no matter how good of a teacher you are, students are going to come and go. Yes. And so you have to like... Well, and I feel like a lot of people say, right? So there's two marks of a good teacher. And they're, I feel, exactly opposing. So a good teacher, depending on what the student needs, is someone that's going to have you come back time and time again and you really enjoy the work that you do with them. And not only is that lesson something that you enjoy from a technical learning standpoint, but it's just also kind of like a social mental moment away from maybe everything else that's going on in your life that brings you joy and X, Y, and Z. That makes for a great teacher. The other sign of a great teacher is that person efficiently gave you all the information that you need and you don't need them anymore. And you're like, hey, thanks, man. I, I mean, I, I could keep paying you, but I don't need anything else. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll see you the next time I need something, question mark? Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, those are actually directly opposed, and I definitely agree with both. Yeah, <laughs> I know, it's well, so I can, weird. I can think of, <laughs> of, of teachers that, I've, that have, have done both at a, such a high level. I think it's the thought of completing the proverbial course that like a great teacher will take you there and then tell you when you're there yeah. enough for you to go like fly on your own. Uh, and, you know, like that you're not leaving cause you didn't like it or something or like it's you're leaving because, because the course was complete. Yeah. Like the same way that you leave college when you're done taking classes. Like, yeah. and, and that's another thing like teaching feels and both should and shouldn't it should like directly like oppose and agree like it should be and it shouldn't be personal and it's really tough it's incredibly tough yeah like well oh, it's exhausting know? right because you you have you have on average a half an hour or an hour once a week mm -hmm. with the same person pretty consistently every week right it's not a lot of time and then the student coming in has their 10, 15, 20, half hour drive to come in and they're like in the mode of I'm heading to my lesson to go meet so-and-so. They come in, they've been mentally prepping to come in and meet with so-and-so and they have had the you know chance to, whether they've practiced or not, they know mentally they're walking into a continuation of what they've built on last week. From a teacher's perspective, especially when you start accumulating students, it's... Um, to be able to maintain that that personal but not personal situation is is weird to have to switch person to person in one minute. Yeah. The class the the lesson ends at six thirty. 
And at 631, you have a whole new person in there and that's all the time you have to switch gears and suddenly become personal with this person. And then you have that for 29 minutes and then you're personal with the next person. Yep. And that is a really tricky skill. And it's not the same. Like, you know, we mentioned this is not so much in like the large ensembles. Like this is not so much teaching the rock band. Like the rock band is very easy because it's us being us. I, I have, we have, in especially in the winter of rock. Like I got all my 19 kids. That is, you get the same Ryan all across the board. Like yeah. different kids are going to need different things, but it's all teeth. It's all, it's all leader Kelsey and Ryan, like yeah. coach Kelsey, coach Ryan, like done. Like Coach Kelsey, as if that's ever been anything vaguely athletic. Sorry, anything vaguely music. Oh, tag that, remix that, Jack. Uh, but, but yes, I but agree. Like, where we could kind of be one thing that's universal to to take care of the needs of a group. Yeah, you do have to flip, and and it's less about it's more about like different shades of your own personality that that come out when you have different different students. Yeah. Um, so I'd mentioned too before that, like, I didn't realize how I could have taught a lot earlier. There's a, a thought for some musicians that it's like, well, I want to be mastered before I want to teach. Yeah. And you can teach at a high level earlier. It means more about communication. I will, um, let's backtrack that. Um, there you go. That's reverse. Um, it, the better your ears are the more success you have as a teacher. Technique is really good and, and essential, but a lot of what I do teaching is learning songs and helping teach those songs and not having the ears to be able to do it. And part of that is the technique to be able to, to accomplish what your ears hear. Yep. But like, I you know a student will come in with a song and I'll play it then I'll like, have to learn it right then and there. Oh, you know? actually, this is funny enough. So, short anecdote on that topic. There's an asterisk here. Um, we so yesterday, our staff, one of our staff members, Cheryl, she, I had a student who was going into the studio, and he made a last minute. This this it all happened quickly. He made a last minute appointment because he was doing this this cover of a song that's in another language, but he's doing a recording of it in English in the studio in twelve hours. And I was like, okay, cool. So he played it. There's no English version of the song. So he pulls it up. And I believe it was in Japanese, if I remember correctly. So I'm listening to it. I've never heard the song before. And he gives me uh, the English lyrics, with which rhythmically did not fit the same melody line, mm -hmm. right? So then, so then our journey in the half hour that I had him was to take a song that I was not familiar with at all, listen to the lyrics that he had, and the ballpark melody he had kind of worked out for them and then take that and make them sound like they are the same song with different words entirely right so then we got through probably a half a half half of the song before we ran out of time and we i was like okay you know what just send me recordings of what you have i'll take a listen to it and if something's really really out you know we'll try and go from there and uh, Cheryl was here when he sent the falling pieces and she's like her comment was hey he just he just wanted you to know this and you've never heard this song before and I didn't even process I've been doing it for so long and I was like well yeah 
That's always how it goes. Yeah. That's just, just the norm. Just learn it on the spot. It's just what it is. Hold on. Let me go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then it's like what lines up and what doesn't. And then that, you know, I think that. Yeah. And I think inherently singers, especially jazz and contemporary singers, have better ears for learning stuff than instrumentalists. I just. Ooh, maybe. Like, like as far as like learning, like especially because melody is usually bap right there yeah. high in the mix. And you're trained to be like, well, like you don't sing along to chords in the car. You may sing, oh, this solo is very singable, but like you don't go G G G G C C. Like you, <laughs> you don't only, know what yeah, I do. Our 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 intern Jack just wag, <laughs> wagged a finger, and he doesn't realize that unless he's doing some Mongolian throat singing, that he can only produce one note. <laughs> so relax. Um, no, but I, I think yeah. this is. That's something that's that's inherent to to vocalists that instrumentalists pick up later. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's just something. Having ears to be able to learn the song. This is why I do so much music theory because, like, it's a, it's like essential to me. Like, if people may be like, "Oh, it's a bunch of numbers. Like, you're taking all the fun out of music," and it's like, "Well, you know, like, you don't understand what my life is. I'm no fun." Boom, roasted. Um, but it's like all numbers and when things are numbers you can process the information faster and you can get to the nuances and like, I, would, I would follow up with that so good ears is huge right um for all the reasons you just said but also good uh social people reading skills so um being able to take in your students habitual behaviors not the stuff that they necessarily tell you because especially for young students sometimes they just know what the right answer is supposed to be so like when when you're asked what they've been working on or what they want to do they're like oh well this is the right answer so i'm gonna yep. give them this but looking at what their actual repeated behaviors are and where it's like oh wow they fixated on this this week for some reason and practice this a ton or or wow, I remember like three weeks ago, they really practiced like crazy. And then looking at what it is that they've done and what they're practicing and music making patterns are. And when they, when they perk up in a lesson and become much more interactive and attentive and when they aren't, and this is all ages, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's just kids tend to be a more binary um, example of it Yeah, because yeah. they haven't learned social covering up yet so picking up on those subtleties can make you a phenomenal teacher because then you're not there's a certain point where you have to take them at face value and see what it is they're actually doing not what it is they're telling you they want to do or telling you they're working on um and then that will sometimes lead you to 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 giving them what they actually find inspiring and fun and motivational to practice and work on and integrate. Because I found that in my early days of teaching, I would always try and be like, okay, what is it you wanna do? Give me a song, pick any song. What's your favorite song? If you wanna work on your favorite song, let's do that, right? Mm -hmm. And I'd veto it if it was like completely out of, out of the question. Be like, all right, what's your second favorite song? But then they'd come in and they, they would be like, oh, so what'd you practice? And they're like, uh, well, I didn't really work on that song. And then I would start seeing a pattern and it was like, oh, you're telling me you like this, 
but what your behavior is telling me is something very different. Yeah. Uh, so I get a bunch of people who come in and they're like, I want to learn music theory. And then we go over it and they look like I'm showing them paint drawing the musical. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like they don't want to learn a lot of music theory. No, That's but they've, lear like, they've learned to say, right. ooh, I want to learn music theory. That's the right thing to say. You know what they want to learn is they want to they want to learn music theory that's applicable to them, meaning like, hey Ryan, like, what do I do on this? Yeah. Like it's like, how do I solo on this? Like I don't want to know what like Dorian I don't is like. Know yeah, this why yeah, music I is. <laughs> I don't want to know why this like I don't care about like the natural six, but like, but I want to know like I I like to be able to, yeah. Our intern Jack's getting really mad, but like applicably like his guitar playing like tastes better now that he knows all this stuff so he's welcome come on sing a, sing a little riff jack mm. here you go ryan's that? right he's a good teacher might be the most handsome guy at double bar there you go there's your riff for the day transcribe that um so to go back right a lot of people say they want to learn music theory because that's like the correct thing to say yeah um what they want to learn is they want to learn the music that they like and be able to break it down at whatever level they want. Um, and, and so that's, that's a lot. And then that's when so, you can integrate other concepts in for singing. That concept comes to, Oh, I want to be able to, I want to be able to sing this, right. Then they'll, they'll give me a song or like an artist that they're like, I just love doing this. Right. And, you can't tell this in the beginning. This takes some time, but what you start to realize is you're like, oh no, you don't actually want to sing that. You want to know what your voice, where your voice sits in this world of contemporary music and what feels good to you, right? That's what, that's what you want to know. You like this, but you don't necessarily want to sing that because it doesn't feel right. Right. So, so then what they end up there, they actually are asking for, Oh, I want to sing this comma. Should I, is it right for my voice? Emphasis on the, what is right for my voice, but they don't, that's not the question that they give me. They're like, I want to, oh, I want to be able to sing Yonsei. And I'm like, okay, so let's work on that. And then that ends up not being what they want to do at all. They're like, I'm happy with my voice as it is. I just need to know what I should be using it on. And that's a very different premise to work from and can be very jarring. If you don't, it takes a while to get to know if that's actually what somebody's asking for underneath it all. Yeah. And I like, I hold, I took, I took one psychology class. So I'm pretty sure I've got this brain thing figured out. Um, I hold that chunking information is huge. Like why I bring up music theory or learning stuff or taking a chord and moving it like a lot of chord, like students at first don't understand this and then they get it later. You learn a chord, it's C minor. It's like, okay, cool. How would you play this chord if it was E flat minor? How would you play this chord if it was G minor? It's like, cool, what we're doing is chunking information. Because you're going to see a lot of chords and a lot of scales and a lot of everything. And so it's my job, too, to not just teach you this, but my job is to, like, especially 
well, what I'm talking about here is uh, for my from the students that that are like the ones I gravitate towards, who are more teenagers or or the adults who are starting to really push themselves, right? Especially them. It's like if we can show you how to chunk and process information, you're going to be able to learn stuff outside and bring things in here at a higher level. Hmm. So the more I can teach you what something is and movable and it's spot around the neck and the different voices in it and what's the third and what's the fifth because everybody like everybody groans when they do this and then they get another chord and they look at it and they learn it faster because they go oh this is the same chord except for this note is just a half step oh and you start doing that and then all these things start clicking and like oh this was a very similar scale to the last thing we did except for we flatted Oh, we moved down a fret and oh, okay. Yeah. And then when you can do that, you process information faster. When you process information faster, you can learn more. And when you can learn more, you can put your own voice on things. Yes. Like it's not just taking, putting your voice. Imagine if you could, um, right. If, imagine if you can out there, um, you have five skills and that's really cool. And that's, those are your skills and you can only eat one skittle an hour and you groan because that's really slow. Right now, imagine that you have now 20 Skittles, which is all your different processed information. You'd be able to eat those Skittles a lot faster. So it's all about eating Skittles, I guess, at the end I, of the day. I think that's a weird metaphor, and I'm not sure it really works. It works pretty well. Meaning that, like, you can take if more you're still only allowed to eat one you can, an hour. Right, yeah, I should have amended. I should amend that. <laughs> you can eat more, too. Um, yeah. It's the end of the night. We're all really hungry. Uh, I'm really hungry. Uh, okay. So, so the point being, out of that crazy analogy, um, the point being, the more information you can process, uh, the more you can chunk things together, the more you can identify things, the more you can teach that, the faster people can learn. The more they come in, instead of being like, I want to learn this song, it's like, I want to learn what makes this song, that what like, what is that thing right there? Yeah. What's that thing? So... Let's do a like a short wind down. What is the one one of the most helpful tips that you have come across as a teacher that you would recommend to other teachers? Uh, that like uh, there was two. One, you are moaning and complaining about an old teacher who like shoved, like tried to get so much information down out of an ego, right? It was like that 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 person just kept trying to shove information down as like kind of like a power trip, like oh you don't know this, and it's like. Student, you know, pace yourself like that in itself of like, you don't have to cover. I think you specifically said you don't have to cover everything in one lesson was really big. Yeah. Because all my favorite lessons have always been on one thing that I took, you know? Um, And then the other thing was very recently, and it ties into this, is that like, you don't have to teach everything in one lesson. And it's better for the majority of my students if I can drill home one concept really well even if we only get through one riff in the song or one section because i noticed those are the ones who are now able to go home and practice because they've seen it applicably in a lesson three four weeks two months in a row yeah my follow-up and my one tip because i agree with both of those um would be uh record an a b of you playing something or singing something and then your student doing the same exercise. So if you're working on a, like a, a short piece of something, you do it and then 
have them do it and just have them record it on their phone. I'm not talking about anything fancy. And then listen back to it with them there in the room. Because sometimes people are funny when they get so fixated and they're focused and their brain's working really hard, they don't listen the same way. So they don't realize sometimes some of the things that they're doing that don't sound right. So then when you're like, oh, let's try that again, you hear how that didn't sound right, they don't really actually sometimes know that it didn't sound right because it was close, right? So you, when you get this live AB, they can then take that with them. So they have the original recording of you in, in the perfect situation of what you want it to be. And then they have their flub of, oh, that was close, but, but no cigar, my friend. And then they have that reference for not only what it should sound like, but how they're inclined to mess it up sometimes so that they know to avoid that. And I think that's great for when the brain's working really hard. Um, for singers, it's great just to have the external ears outside of your head. And then for, um, I think for percussionists and things like that, where sometimes playing together can kind of cover things up oh yeah oh right? yeah because you're so your you can't hear got the good time and the good tone and and yep. also you can't even though your teacher can pick apart those two different guitars or the the two different you know drum hits the student's like oh no well, i caught it there at the end you know what i mean yep. so it's it's like close enough so that they feel the success students also watching the hands of yep. the instructor too you don't know if they really know something or if they're just miming you right which so, is okay in the learning process but I highly recommend, and I actually don't think people use this free, easily accessible on everybody's phone because everybody has a phone all the time tool nearly enough. Um, and I do it and I use it. And then I, if the student doesn't do it on their own phone, which most of the time I'll opt for them to do it, I'll record it on mine and then I s email it to them or I send it to them because my phone doesn't sync with anything. So I have to email it. To so, them. But that's yeah. my, that's my tip. Let me, look, I, I thought of this while, while right after you I only said get, something. You already yeah. had two tips. It's only know, supposed to be one awesome. tip. Well, these are valuable. Greedy. Bring in value. <laughs> For only $9.99, you get this many <laughs> tips. Um, don't assume something about a student's personality, too. Uh, some of the students that I thought didn't enjoy lessons and were walled off ended up being the ones who personally yeah. just needed time to unfold. And now they're there. I see all their parts of their personality. Yeah. So don't assume that somebody likes or doesn't like the lessons. Like, and give everything time. Yeah. Like, give it time because, you know, there's some students that are very, very, very of all ages that are just very introverted, and they just need to get to know somebody to know what what comes out. Like, so just give it some time too. Just give it time. All right, we're gonna wind this one down. As much fun as it's been. Uh, with our weekly Strumpler surprise. Okay. Uh, oh, this is really good. Name me your top bass player of all time. Yeah, you go first. No. Oh, wow. Rob Masood. <laughs> Shout out, Rob! Uh, <laughs> I think I would go with John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin. Um, oh no, that wouldn't have made the list. Well, you, you the bass is like in Led Zeppelin is just so underrated because he does a lot of awesome things that you just like when you go back and listen to you're like, ah, that's killer. But but because everybody like Robert Plant is such a banshee up top, 
and Jimmy Page takes up so much and everybody's like John Bonham is is rightfully incredible and so thunderous you miss out on how incredible John Paul Jones is and he is quite he is quite the quite the man quite the whew, I'm getting the vapors. <laughs> all right we're gonna wind this down so Ryan can go cool off we will see you next time 